All right, how's everybody? Man, the sounds of social, you know, ness. Man, we don't hear though. Like you don't hear that anymore. Oh goodness, it's been good. Been good. Good to see you this morning. Um, if you've been with us, you know we're we're going through a series on on the Ten Commandments. This morning we're in um, seven part of of that series. Um, pastor's away uh, with his wife and um, brother-in-law Mike and, and um, Colleen. They're in a way on a trip. So everybody real quick, real loud, let's say hi to Pastor Barton. I think he's watching, okay? One, two, three. Hey, Pastor, we've not burned anything down yet, you know, while you're gone. Good, good, good. So um, last week we spoke, last week we looked at the commandment to honor your father and mother. And we talked about, right, the bigger concept of honor and how we do that in our relationships. Um, if, if you weren't here with us, if you missed a, miss, a message and ever want to go and, and ca- catch up on that, remember you can always go to our, our website, livingwordag.com, um, click on the uh, messages tab and the audio is there. Um, anybody a podcast listener listening to podcasts, you can go Go um, to either of your phone's default podcast player, Apple, Google, and find uh, search for Living Word um, AG there, and you can actually find the audio on podcasts as well if you're ever interested in checking those out. Um, so let me ask you this morning as we begin, if you were to randomly ask um, Christians um, to name um, some of the Ten Commandments, what do, you think, what do you think they would remember? What do you think? Not, not kill, not murder, right? That, um, if you watch, there's some interviews around you can find of, of, of Christians asking other Christians these questions, right? And that most of them struggled. If you ask them to name all 10, most struggled to name even two, right? But, but the one that people definitely don't forget, right? is do not murder. That, that one is just ingrained in our, in our minds. Some would think, well, I've never murdered anyone though. Okay. So I'm good. Right. Um, I, I don't need this, this message this morning. I'm not planning on killing anyone. Okay. Um, when my spouse drives me crazy, you know, I've considered it. Uh, (laughs) don't worry, honey. I'm I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) when Jesus taught church though, you know that Jesus always got though to the heart of the matter, right? So we can look at the Ten Commandments as this checklist, if we're not careful, of righteous living, right? Uh, we look at it as a passing grade in school. I'm good. I'm seven out of ten, okay? I'm good with. It's a, it's a passing grade, right? So I get to go to heaven. I, I, I pass. We all know, though, uh, uh, the reality of that mindset, we all know that without Jesus stepping in through his death on the cross and acting as our atoning sacrifice from me breaking God's law even one time, right, I, it separates me from a relationship with the Lord. It's a, it's a pass-fail, right? It's actually pass-fail, not a percentage. Aren't you thankful this morning then for Jesus? Amen? Are you thankful for his death on the cross that you and I cannot do that on our own? We want you then to see the Ten Commandments not as this checklist, not as a percentage, right, of my rights, right, wrongs and rights, but to see them as guardrails. We've talked, we've used that word a lot, guardrails in this series to protect and bless us in our relationship with God and one another. The Ten Commandments then should ultimately point me to my ongoing need for the Savior. Amen? It should point me back to that daily. 
Remember, as we've pointed out in prior messages, um, Kevin Young reminds us the Ten Commandments aren't instructions on how to get out of Egypt. They weren't written by God for the Israelites to get out of Egypt. They were rules for a free people to stay free and not return to bondage. God told the Israelites through the Ten Commandments that if you want to have a blessed life, it will come from having the right relationship with me and the right relationship with others. So let's drill down a little this morning. The most significant issues in our life many times are not what we think, right? We're not what we think. We can think that we're okay on the murder part, but there's something else. If we had to look at it, that many of us are not okay. They are a symptom of something deeper. Remember over the last few weeks, God gave the Ten Commandments to the Israelites to renew that right relationship with him. And then Jesus elevates them beyond that to matters of the heart. Jesus knows this about us. It comes down to the position of our hearts. Think about it for a minute. Murder, adultery, stealing, lying starts where? Where do all those things start? It starts at my heart. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven 37 um, from the New Living Translation. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is to equally is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. So we're in the second half of the commandments in the series, and, and these specifically deal, um, they, they start to deal with the horizontal relationship with one another. Um, and, and from the Old Testament book of Exodus, where we've been reading together, um, we're looking at Exodus 20. Um, and verse 13 this morning from the, from the list there in Exodus 20, the 10 commandments, you must not murder again from the NLT. So let's, let's think about that word for a minute. Okay. We all know what murder is, but what does it mean? All right. Think about the, um, the meanings of that word in context. Murder means premeditative killing, breaking it down. It's hate and anger to the point of taking someone else's life. So through the Ten Commandments, God is establishing, at least firstly, the importance of life, the sanctity of life. Life is valuable. You, you all realize that there were cultures, right, that practiced um, human sacrifice, right? And, and God was reestablishing um, some of these values in the Old Testament, and it had to, the, the, had to be continually reminded of those values, this means that life is sacred to God. So why is it vital? Why, why is it so important? What, what, what is its purpose? What does it matter? Genesis 1.26 reminds us, um, reminds us why it's so vital, remind, why it matters. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. Everyone say his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. God then is the giver of life and we are created in his image. We are image bearers of God. And so life is precious to him. That is why, that is why we respect all lives because each of us are image bearers of God. Um, is it okay if I go off 
topic a little bit this morning. Uh, can I encourage you that, that this is, this issue right here is one of the key understandings of the gospel, um, to the, to the issues of, of race that we're facing in our culture. And not just in the U.S., but many places around the world. It, and, and here's, let me, let me get, touch on this for a little bit. If I understand that my neighbor, regardless of their background, or ethnicity, or nationality, or skin color, is an image bearer of God, then I understand their intrinsic value to the Creator, and therefore to me. Amen? I, th- there is no way that I can hate, that I can mistreat, or uh, think of anyone any differently based on any of these traits when I fully comprehend um, every living person having the same value to the Creator of the universe. They are the same image-bearing creation that I am. We are therefore on level ground before the Father, all reflecting the Creator with immeasurable value to God. Amen? Amen. Sorry, I'm preaching before I'm preaching. But um, murder, though, church, starts with the seed of the basic denial of that truth. Right? It, it, with a seed of the basic denial. When I can deny that someone else has value, it leads me to places I should never go. It begins way back at that point. And the uncomfortable reality, church, is that we may be more prone to drastic sins than we'd care to admit. Hang with me for a little bit here. Professor Dr. James Waller studies and writes on the topic of periods of genocide throughout history. In his book, Becoming Evil, he includes an eye-opening subtitle that speaks to the underlying findings of his years of research. This is the subtitle for his book, Becoming Evil, How Ordinary People Commit Genocide and Mass Killings. He writes how people involved in these mass casualty events throughout history were not some deranged group of psychotic men and women. They were ordinary people who had somehow allowed themselves to take part in horrific acts against people. So we have to see how these acts start way back here at at an unchecked heart that festers and grows from there. Look at the progression then that we see in Scripture through this issue. Back to Proverbs um, 4.23 says, Above all else, many of you know this, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Psalms 4.4, Don't sin by letting anger control you. Think about it overnight and remain silent. That's speaking of making those rash decisions, right? Ephesians 4:26 and don't let I'm sorry don't sin by letting anger control you don't let the sun go down while we are still angry see the progression of kind of how things start um, of things to avoid don't go to bed um, angry those types of things that we've heard there's there's a there's a purpose and a point behind that that guidance we all have a recorder in our minds uh, of the offenses that people have made against us don't we and when we sit and we think about those things and if left unchecked i think we can uh, we're starting to get a picture of the possibility of where those can go the real danger Uh, is when we continue replaying over and over and over again what someone else has done to me and I allow myself to go to hate and anger. 
What's your What's your favorite song? Think of your favorite song um, recently. Maybe it changes over time. Um, think about what that is. If you have a favorite song, um, you will listen to it over and over and over again until you get sick of it, right? I mean, maybe you don't get sick of it. I don't know. But whatever that is for you, you'll keep replaying, replaying. So um, some of you may know I was a swimmer back in high school, just like Pastor Barden. That was actually prerequisite when I was hired here. You had He would only going to hire another swimmer. But... Um, I, it was so boring swimming. Okay. Think about it. You're, you're swimming and right. My other swimmers know when you're swimming laps, like you just get tired of what are you thinking about? You're in the pool, you're doing these laps. And I, as a, as a, also a self-proclaimed music nerd, I would just play the same song in my head, like all of swim practice. And I would get out of the, I would get out of the water and I'm like, okay, now I hate that song, <laughs> you know, cause it was just that I had to, you had to do something in your mind while you're swimming laps for what felt like hours sometimes, but I get so sick of it by the end of practice. That's what happens in our minds when we play over and over again, I think, the wrongs that people have done to us in our lives. And then we allow things like anger and bitterness to become like that favorite song and and replay over and over. Unchecked anger, bitterness grows and grows in layers and layers, right? Jesus tells us that if we have hatred in our hearts, we come under judgment. So we have to deal then with that anger in our hearts because murder starts there. Let's look at the bigger issue, how Jesus makes um, makes this a, a bigger issue for us. This is Matthew 5 now, uh, looking in verse 21. Matthew five twenty-one. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. That's that's clear, right? That that break there. That's clear that, that that will be the judgment for that sin. But Jesus continues. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. So see how he levels the playing field, field here between a murder and anger. He continues, again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, sister Raka is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, and come back and offer your gift. Church, I can destroy a person through my words with my anger. Amen. And this, and Jesus is connecting the two, right? As equal, as equally uh, offensive, as equally painful to someone. Jesus is telling us that it, it is murder through my heart. I can do the same damage to someone with my words. The word raka is an Aramaic word that means empty-headed, worthless. You empty-headed fool. Think about, think about that phrase. It is belittling someone and insulting them. Think of it, connect it with the, the concept of character assassination, right? The word is derived from a root, uh, root word there meaning to spit. So it's just the most offensive, um, interaction socially that I could have with someone. So why church is it essential that we deal with our anger? What, what is this allowing here? Ephesians 4:27 continues there for us. It says, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Anger gives a foothold to the devil. Church, if we carry anger, we might think we are hurting the other person or punishing the other person, but what we are doing is actually giving the devil a foothold in our lives. 
What is that? What's a foothold? A foothold is a place, a, a placeholder. It would be the same as thinking of sticking your foot in the door, right? A foothold so that it would not close all the way. It's giving an opening to the devil into our hearts, into our lives. Unresolved anger gives the devil a place to operate in our lives. So my question for you this morning, do you have unresolved anger in your life with someone else? Is there something else that has you that you have not resolved with someone? Church, don't let your anger go unchecked because unchecked anger leads to destruction. I'm going to share a personal story with you here in a little bit that, that points that out. There are, let's, let's talk about, um, let's talk about tangibly some some different ways um, um, people handle anger in kind of um, of incorrect ways okay let's talk about some of the more popular techniques people use to employ their anger are you ready this is going to be fun are you ready uh, raise your hand if you deal with the I'm just kidding <laughs> um, okay how about passive aggressiveness ah there's a good one right we all love that Passive aggressiveness, this popular technique people use to communicate anger (laughs) without being real obvious about it. Um, This was one of the examples I found online that made me laugh. Okay, you ready? Here's an example of passive aggressive language. You ate all six donuts, I see, and I didn't get any. Don't worry about it. I can see donuts are very important to you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> anyone know someone real good at passive aggressive anger? Okay. Now don't passive aggressively look at your neighbor. Okay. Don't, don't, don't elbow your spouse there. Um, that, that's a very popular technique. Let's look at another one. How about the cold shoulder? How about the cold shoulder? This one is also very popular. The cold shoulder technique, as it could be said, is intentionally staying angry at someone. Um, but with this technique, you're not even trying to be passive about it anymore, right? You're being obvious, okay? You're intentionally avoiding someone due to your anger or frustration at them. All right, how about some other popular examples that may seem more arbitrary but are just as intentional, right, about how we're treating someone. How about unfriending someone on social media? Ooh, how about talking about someone else behind their back, right, gossiping? Uh, quick note here on gossip, and I know we've been kind of tongue-in-cheek here, but this, this obviously this is um, serious stuff. Remember that someone, if someone is comfortable gossiping with you, they're also probably comfortable gossiping about you, right, gossiping. But these are just some examples that, along with others, remind us that if we are harboring anger, right, we'll go to great lengths sometimes to show it, right? Or to try not to show it, but actually show it with passive aggressiveness. Passive aggressiveness is funny because I think most of the time we actually can realize that that's what's going on, right? Um, But if we are harboring anger in any of these ways, church, we are neglecting forgiveness, Right? In those ways, we are neglecting forgiveness. Ephesians, as we continue there in chapter 4, verse 31 this time, says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Why is it important to forgive then and to not hold on to anger? For this reason, this reason alone, holding on to anger keeps us from experiencing the fullness of Christ's love. Holding on to anger, holding on to these things in our lives, allowing these things to ferment in my heart, 
um, and keep us, they keep us from experiencing the fullness of Christ's love. Death Row Chaplain Russ Ford had this to share on the subject. He said, Jesus didn't teach us to love our enemies for their good. It is for our own good to keep us from becoming the enemy. Right? From, for doing to other people what was originally done to us and by their, and thereby becoming the same as that enemy, right? Some of us may be resistant to letting go of anger, surmising that the person we're angry with doesn't deserve anything more than our resentment. In those moments, we have to remember how little we deserve God's forgiveness ourselves. Amen? We have to remember that. It's, it's, it's so common to think that this person doesn't deserve my forgiveness. They don't deserve my grace because of what they did to me. In that moment, in that line of thought, we've got to think, I didn't deserve it either. At the heart of the message of the gospel is the reconciliation of our relationship with God through the person of Jesus. Church, if Jesus gave his very life to fix our broken relationship with God the Father, we should and, and can and are able with his power to give the grace and forgiveness to reconcile broken relationships here. Giving forgiveness instead of neglecting it keeps our hearts free from hatred. As the worship team comes to to close us this morning, I want to share um, a personal story. Doing this is is one of those things we say it's, it's easier said than done, Right. Um, sometimes it, it's not easy to forgive those who have hurt us and hurt us deeply. Um, it, pain and hurt is deep and unimaginable for, unimaginable for people. Our family uh, personally experienced the tragedy of, of what happens when someone allows these things to, to fester in their heart. On June 11th, 1990, our family was notified that day that my aunt, my my father's sister, Sandra Allen, had been found in her home in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, murdered, the apparent victim of a random burglary turned violent. As the investigation began into the circumstances, it came to light that my aunt's husband had been having a secret affair. Multiple affairs were found later. He had gone to great lengths to conceal the affairs from my aunt, and the process had become overly controlling which ultimately led to him staging a burglary and killing his own wife. He was convicted of life in prison without the possibility of parole and sits in prison today. Church, whatever the reason, whether jealousy, resentment, or anger, it had filled my uncle's heart, and he acted on it in an unthinkable way. I've got a picture here this morning of my aunt, Sandra. It's a beautiful woman. I'll never forget standing in a Walmart parking lot as a five-year-old boy crying with my family at the deep grief and loss we were experiencing. My aunt left behind three boys, my cousins, ages five, three, and one, who would now be without both of their parents. Church, thankfully, most of us will never experience this level of hatred, although some have. I know the stories. But most of us will experience the actions people take when they allow anger or hatred to fill their hearts. We have to remember we're prone to the same ourselves. We have to constantly, church, if not daily, check the place of our hearts. Am I harboring unresolved anger? Am I neglecting forgiveness towards someone else? 
That's what my uncle had done for whatever reason. He, and, and there are, of course, tons of other issues. They found stuff on his, they found stuff on his computer later that, that pointed to multiple affairs, multiple, um, just stuff on his computer that would, uh, point to the issues. My prayer for you today is that the Holy Spirit points out for each of us any places in our hearts of unresolved anger, anger directed at someone else, anger, a a frustration about where life has brought me, frustration and resentment about bitterness about the situations I have faced or what's been done to me. I pray that the Holy Spirit will touch those things in your heart, point those out to you so that you can lay those things at the feet of Christ and move on. You and I cannot stay trapped in life and those things daily playing through our minds. Through a relationship with Jesus, you and I can have ultimate freedom from those things. Whatever it is, whatever's been done to you, we can have freedom from those burdens in our lives that create roadblocks to a relationship with God. I want to ask you before we close and worship here, if you're here this morning, you're listening online maybe, and you have never made a decision to follow Jesus personally, I want to encourage you this morning to do that. It's simple. It's a simple decision. I want to encourage you to do that today. Come find me after service. I'd be honored to pray with you about that decision if you'd like to do that. Can we stand together as we close and worship? Lord, we pray for our hearts this morning. I pray for hearts here. God, maybe some that don't even realize that they've harbored anger at someone else. Maybe they don't fully see the bitterness or resentment over life situations. Things seem unfair. Things that have happened to them through job, through their health, with a spouse, God, with a friend that's betrayed them. I don't know the situation, Lord. You do. But we we understand and we know this morning we cannot let those things stay unchecked in our hearts because of the destruction that can be done when it does. Lord, convict us this morning. We need you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's worship, church.